You found it. No nonsense. No scripts. Real people on real issues. Hard hitting and action packed with logic, reason, and common sense. Everything you need and everything you've been looking for in a podcast. This is Dynamic Independence with Johnny Anderson, Bruce Adams, Marty Foster, and GP. Welcome to it. Boy, the world we live in just gets more topsy-turvy by the day, doesn't it? It does. It does seem to, yeah. So... Before I get into this craziness of what has developed in the last 24 hours, how are you today, Bruce? Healthy and alive. Yeah, doing well. Uh, yourself? I'm good. I'm good. I did some shoulder work today, you know, just getting back into it. Did some shoulder work, light shoulder work. I didn't want to go too, mu- too much. Did some light shoulder work, and it turned out pretty well. So I'm not complaining. Got to spend some time outside, you know, sunshine, but it's starting to get a little cold, you know, had to drain the pool. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, I got to drain the pool. That's, That's uh, that time of year. Yeah, it is that time of year. So I got to drain it. And then, you know, it's probably finished by now, but uh, I got to drain it. And then uh, I got to clean it tomorrow. And then it has to dry for a couple of days. And then got to pack it away for the winter and all the rest of it. So, yeah, there is that. And then I got to get the snow shovels ready. So looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. No, actually, I, no, to be fair, uh, what I'm going to do after that, I'm going to have to start chopping wood after that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not. But, you know, chopping wood. Good to have your shoulder chop- healed. Well, yeah, it's good. But chopping wood is like, that's very therapeutic. You know, I, I always, I always found that, uh, I was found that even from the time I was a kid and I was a boy scout, chopping wood was always very therapeutic. I always loved it. You do it properly and you get it done before it gets too cold out there. Even so I chopped it in the middle of winter last year. I didn't care. You know, I, I didn't care, but, uh, I had a great time doing it. And it's not one of those things where I'm dependent on that, but it does make a little bit you know, it does make it a little bit easier when you have your actual, like when you have a real fireplace that cuts down on your heating bill so much. And it's already cut down already because of the system that's, uh, that's in, but there's just something about, and you know exactly what I'm talking about when I say this, there's just something about that fireplace warmth. There's just something about that, that quality of heat that is just, man, it will put me to sleep in a heartbeat. Yeah. Whenever I, whenever I'm, I'm downstairs on the couch, cause it's a stone fireplace in the living room. Whenever I'm downstairs on the couch and I have a fire going that night, man, I am out. I am out. And there is no way you're getting me up. It's, it's just not going to happen because it is so comfortable. It's like that cozy warm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've had, um, both like traditional fireplace and pellet stoves. And, uh, you know, traditional fireplace is nice. Pellet stove is just as nice, too. You can uh, get that that fire warm feeling, but you disperse it through the house. I don't know. Better, I guess. Uh, And it's about the same price, price range. Still works while the power's out, you know, those kind of things. You just don't have the fan, obviously, uh, with the pellet stove. But yeah, I meant to I meant to ask you something about that. Uh, Not not related to that really per se, but about something in general. We always talk about uh, like EMPs and and things like that and effects on different stuff. I mean, from time to time, we talk about Mm -hmm. that privately too. An EMP, what effect is that going to have on a solar panel or does it have an effect on a solar panel? Um, So it depends. Um, The the thing about EMPs is I believe it's on the radio wave frequency. So the Mm -hmm. the waves are actually pretty big. They have a Mm -hmm. pretty good distance between each crest or whatever, whatever, um, Uh whatever you call the the wavy bits. The real defining factor in that is, is it close to another power source? Like, uh, for example, power lines or some other metal device that could act as an antenna that would um, grab the EMP uh, signal and then uh, relay it. So I would say, yes, they're, they're vulnerable, but you could run into solar panels that wouldn't be affected by an EMP, assuming the entire circuit other than the, the, if the solar panels above ground and the entire circuit is like below ground, for example, uh, that the, the solar panels hooked up to, it might be okay. Maybe. Yeah. It is um, literally below ground. They're at so risk. The circuitry is below ground, but it is grounded. All of it is grounded. Does that make a difference? It, it doesn't matter. Um, no. So basically what happens with an EMP is it when it hits the metal, it, it causes uh, very quick and rapid changes in the metal and will cause an electro, electrical current to be created. And that electrical current fuses uh, the, the circuit. So uh, it, 
if it gets hit by an EMP, it's done. Uh, but it's plausible that it could technically be within the uh, you know safe zone, if you will, of the arc of the the wave. So maybe. But you're you're talking about a solar panel. They're larger in size, so I would say probably not. Um, if you had like a small portable one that was good for small devices and mm -hmm. you keep it in, in like a Faraday cage or something like that. Yeah, it'd be fine. But if you uh, had it, like a it large will be one going, in your house, it will be going in a Faraday cage along with a couple yes, of other but, things just in case. But yeah. Yeah. But as far as like a, a, a one on your house, no, the one on your house is probably going to be done. Probably. Mm -hmm. uh, just because even if the solar panel itself is fine. Like I said, you've got power lines, you have vehicles, you have other things in the area that could act as an antenna uh, or a relay for that EMP. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, just I just thought I'd run that one past you. That one's been on my mind for the last couple of days, and it just it just came to me. We're talking about you know energy saving and stuff like that, so that's what triggered it. Anyway. All right. So it's yesterday, good to think about. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So uh, yesterday we talked about Australia and that sorry excuse for a premier down there in Victoria, Dan Andrews. What an absolute scumbag. I've been seeing videos of people bashing that guy all day long. Some of them are so explicit, I can't even play them here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, they're they're not uh, they're not very happy. But uh, a lot of a lot of videos come out uh, today and their their message down there, the uh, the trade unions, the, their message down there is every day. They're going to be out there every day. Okay, good on you. Good on you. Uh, just know that uh, you protesting Dan Andrews, that's illegal. He said so himself. <laughs> he did. Good on you, but it's uh, it's illegal. <laughs> Drop dead, Andrews. Okay, um, this, this is going to be the turning point, I think. This popped this morning off of the Australian, the Queensland mainstream media, the, the affiliate in Queensland. Queensland, obviously, that's up on the uh, the northern coast there. That's uh, that's a different state. Victoria is all the way south, uh, just across the uh, across the way there from uh, Tasmania. But Queensland, up north, other end of the country. But if they do this in Queensland, you know they're going to do this everywhere else. It's just like in the U.S. They do it in one place, they're going to do it everywhere else. They do it in Europe, they're going in one place, they're going to do it everywhere else. They're doing it in Israel, it's going to be everywhere else. We'll talk about Israel today. But this dropped today about what's going to happen now with the police in Queensland. Queensland police officers have been issued a blunt ultimatum. Take the jab within two weeks or face suspension without pay. The move has outraged some serving and former officers. A new police union is even being contemplated to fight the vaccine mandate. They're trained to take orders. Hey. But for some men and women in blue, forced vaccinations are something they simply can't stand for. Oh, you They've mean they don't want them either? Within two weeks, they could be suspended without pay, which is a ridiculous overreach. The oh. commissioner emailing from 5 October 2021, an employee who refuses to follow the direction will be provided with seven days to state why suspension without pay should not be implemented. Phil Nataro was an officer for more than three decades. He's well known within the service, having been on the union executive. I honestly think that the police service could lose up to 10% of their members. Serving police officers More. can't speak to media without approval, but they are venting their anger in closed chat groups. Katerina Carroll, you have betrayed and failed your officers and the people of Queensland. The officer the QPS wants me to be right now is not what I signed up for. I live in a state of panic. See, it's not about being vax or anti-vax. It's about pro-choice. The police union is backing the QPS. As the commissioner of police has advised, this direction is lawful and must be followed. He's compromised. The white hawk amongst police officers. Jack Maguire is considering launching a competing union. His group already opposes vaccine mandates for nurses and teachers. We are experiencing unbelievable growth at the moment of people leaving their unions and coming to join us. Over an issue on the front line of public debate. And Ben Murphy joins us in the studio now. And Ben, what have Queensland Police had to say on the issue? QPS made no one available for interview today. Oh, the I wonder why. issued a statement saying police are more exposed to COVID-19 than most occupations <laughs> and officers have died from the virus around the oh, world, including 90 in the United uh -huh. Kingdom. Katarina uh -huh. Carroll says the mandate is a key part of planning for what may be a worst-case scenario. 
when restrictions ease and the country reopens. And the intent is to create a safer environment for the oh, workforce yeah. and yeah. the community. The police union also made no one available for interview. Right, Ben. Yeah, gee, I wonder why. I wonder why they made no one available. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to know, uh, one, was the officer vaccinated, the officers they listed there, were they vaccinated in the UK? Um, uh, also, if they were vaccinated and their death was listed as COVID, um, was it a side effect of the vaccine or was it legitimately COVID? They had a quote unquote breakthrough case. Uh, the next thing that really bugged me about that video, and this is something that our law enforcement does as well, and it really, really grinds my gears when they use it. Um, it's a lawful order. Uh, that really pisses me off. It's a lawful if, order, if and it must be followed. That. It must be followed. Uh, no, no. See, that's not how laws work. You don't just to get you, you don't get to make things up on the fly. Sorry, that's not how it works. But unfortunately, it's allowed in both of our countries. Yeah, there is that. But you know what? I really don't think that this is going to uh, to to bode well because like seriously have you lost your minds if you're well that's a that's a loaded question have you lost your minds if you're a uh, if you're a politician that is your last line of defense that is your last line of defense what are you gonna do you're gonna call out the military and start shooting people you're gonna mandate it on them too what do you think is gonna happen there uh some of the videos i was seeing of um staff sergeants and whatnot there in the military they were basically saying when we're called and um, it's martial law, if you get in our way and uh, I'm pointing the gun at you, you are now the enemy. Oh, and really? It doesn't matter whether you're a statesman or not. And it's kind of oh, really? like you don't you don't want to go there. You do not want to go there. And of course, really? they were taunting the um, yeah. gun toting yeah. Americans and the conservatives yeah. and you know, all of them uh -huh. yeah, at the same time. Uh -huh. Again, I'll say what I said yesterday. You're in the way. You are in the way. So shut your mouth and step aside, son. You're in the way. I wasn't raised by people that fought in the Second World War and people that served at the highest levels of military service with honors their entire adult lives that directly affected not only the national security of the United States, but of the Western world. They helped direct that policy. I didn't get raised in a family like that to hear bullshit from little bastards like you. Agreed. Shut your mouth, well, whoever said that. In this that. case, it was actually a woman. But, Whatever. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care. I, I, in, the, in the woke military garbage of America, I don't care if it's a man, woman, trans, whatever. I, I don't care. I, I really don't care. If you have the gall to come out and make some ridiculous, gutless statement like that, you have no idea, no idea who you're messing with. Now, I'm not the kind of person, and anybody that knows that's been listening to us, anybody that knows me personally, I'm not the kind of person that actively goes around looking to cause trouble. I just want to be left alone. We just want to be left alone. As a matter of fact, I spent a couple of days telling somebody this week in a long conversation, I just want all this nonsense to end so we can all go back to normal life, what we consider to be a normal, productive life. That's all I want. But rumor has it from somebody that I listened to this morning that has a source within the Israeli government, they're going to turn the heat up even more. They're going to move into the next phase in Israel, which... <laughs> What, what the Israelis are doing, I don't know. I, I really don't know. What, what has happened over there with that population of people? I'm seeing one day the Israelis are out there in mass protesting all night. I, I'm seeing that. The next day I'm seeing, uh, well, we're lining up for our third and even our fourth jab. Somebody explain this, this insanity to me. I, I, I don't understand where that's coming from. But the next phase in Israel, hear me very carefully, the next phase in Israel... They are going to start taking away people's access to food. They will start banning you from supermarkets if you do not have a valid COVID passport. Now, what's a valid COVID passport? Well, let's just take a look at what a valid COVID passport is, according to the Israeli government. Or excuse me, the Israeli Ministry of Health, Israeli government, same thing. OK, the Israeli Ministry of Health announced today that the Green Pass for vaccinated or for vaccinated people expires when six months have passed after the second dose, and now also six months after the third booster, it will then expire. You'll have to go back for your top up, just like Dr. Mike Yaden said. You have to go back for your top up vaccine or otherwise you'll be cut off and everybody that you know will be cut off. Uh, I'm, it's been auto translated by uh, uh, by Google. So you have to you kind of bear with it. Sometimes things just don't translate. So changes as of 
the 3rd of October, again, the first week of October. What is it with that? Again, with the first week of October. As of the third week, or excuse me, as of the 3rd of October, the design of the green character will be changed and the following changes will apply in its validity. Those who have received three vaccines and passed a week from the third vaccine, the mark, <laughs> the mark, that's, isn't that funny? The mark, that's the translation. I don't know. It's just, yeah. The mark will be valid for six months from the third vaccine. So once you get now, see if you're double vaxxed already, so you're already expired, uh, your your green pass no longer works. Now you have to go back for a top up and then you can get your green pass again. Then you can go back. And of course, six months after that, you have to go back in again. Yeah. Those who have received two vaccines, which isn't even a vaccine. It's, it's terrible that I'm even saying that. And passed one week from the second vaccine, two weeks uh, two weeks in the modern vaccine, whatever that is. The mark will be valid for six months from the second vaccine. Those who have recovered from corona, again, you have 20 times more immunity if you've recovered from corona as opposed to somebody that's been jabbed that hasn't had it. 27. 27. Okay, excuse me. I'm 27. 27. Okay. I was lowballing it. All right. Those who have recovered from Corona, the mark. Why did they say the mark? Is there is there a biblical reference there? It, I don't. It's just something else. It, yeah. It, honestly, it may just be a translation thing. It could just be that. Yeah. Like I'm I said, sure. some things mm -hmm. just don't translate. So, some things mm -hmm. just don't. Those who have recovered from Corona, the mark will be valid for six months from the date of confirmation of recovery. Those who have. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. So recovery only lasts six months now. When did that start? I haven't heard that one yet. When did that one start? It doesn't matter even if you've had it. You still have to go back and you still it doesn't matter even if you've had it now. And, and they say, OK, well, you've had it now. You need to go get vaccinated again. <laughs> what do, do, do you people it's even new? Do, do people even hear what you're saying? Those of us. OK, so the mark. Will be, OK, so your your pass will be valid for six months if you've recovered. Then you have to go get vaccinated. Listen to me very carefully. If you come in contact with a SARS virus, that's what this is. SARS Corona two SARS coronavirus two SARS CoV two when you come in contact with a SARS like virus and you have recovered from it naturally you have a minimum of 20 years of immunity if not if you're very healthy if not the rest of your life the rest of your natural life that's not me saying that that's that's the former VP of Pfizer saying that this this is lunacy this is this is lunacy. Of course, we know this at this point. Those who have recovered and received a vaccine. So I guess that's the next step. If you've if you've had if you've been recovered, then you have to go back for vaccine. Those who have recovered and received a vaccine, the mark will be valid from six months from receiving the vaccine. Boys and girls aged. Well, it's not very inclusive. Boys and girls aged 12 and under who received a negative answer in a PCR test, negative PCR test, uh, as part of uh, Education Shield, I've, oh, wh whatever. Uh, there is no change. Must be their programmer policy there. I, I guess so. Uh, there is no change in uh, there is no change in the validity of the order. The mark will be valid for seven days. Okay, so a negative PCR test will get you around for seven days. Here they're doing it for if you're a student. Okay, Think, try, try this one on for size. Okay, if you're a student here where I'm at, you can at the moment you can still do the negative PCR test. Although coming soon. Tests will no longer be sufficient. They removed all the testing facilities. Then they say, okay, well, testing is no longer uh, sufficient. See, because you can't go and get it anymore. They removed all the mass vaccination places because no one was actually going into them. Now you have to make a private appointment with your uh, GP or, or your uh, family physician or whatever. Uh, and then you can go and get it done that way. They removed all the mass vaccination places. You can't go there anymore. So those are all gone. The testing places are all gone, and they've closed up uh, the sh they've closed up the uh, the fence on everything else. So now you have to do all of this, but we can't report the actual numbers. We can't have the actual public places where you can actually go and film and show that it's all a giant fraud and there's no one there. You can't do that. So that's gone away, but you still have to conform to all this. You see how it works? They're taking a little bit of links out of those, or a little bit more of those links out of that chain. Just a little bit, and a little bit, and a little bit, and they'll just ratchet it down just a little bit further. Successive approximation. That's how they do it. Yeah. And they're doubling down like we've talked about. It, uh -huh. it, it, it's not about um, whether they're right or wrong. If they're wrong, well, no, they're right, and they'll show you that they're right, and they'll just yeah. double down. Yeah. So what they're doing here is, which was my original point, what they're doing here is if you're a student and you have a PCR test, that will get you a green check or a valid uh, QR code pass for 72 hours. If you're not a student, then you have to take a test every 24 hours if you don't want to get a vaccine. And you have to pay 12 euros and 50 cents, which is about 15 dollars. 
per test. So you have to pay $15 a day if you don't want to get one of these experimental uh, Frankenshots. If you don't want to get that, then that's going to cost you. And you want to go into these places, then you have to pay $15 a day. That's what they're doing here. It's extortion. It is extortion. And it makes sense now. When we when we realized a few months ago, back middle of summer, George Soros and Bill Gates were going around buying up all the covid testing facilities. Well, they got you coming and going, don't they? They're making money on the vaccines. They're making money on the uh, on the tests. It's ridiculous. You talk about extortion. (laughs) You talk about you talk about a shakedown from uh, from organized crime thugs, man. I mean, come on. The mafia doesn't have anything on these guys. Nothing. Nothing. The average mob boss. You know something? We locked up all the mob guys. We took down all of the uh, all of the families, you know, that like the, the wise guys. We took most of them down. Do you know that by taking them down, it has further promoted these uh, disgusting pieces of garbage in the government like this? You can say what you want about the wise guys, but they would not have permitted people like this to rise to the top if they were still in charge at the street level. They wouldn't have permitted that. So you can say what you want about the wise guys. You can say whether or not, you know, you agree with their tactics or whatever. But uh, I would argue that uh, we had a better society when they were running the streets than what we do now in New York. And ask any New Yorker. I mean, you could walk down, you could walk down the uh, the streets of, uh, uh, of Little Italy and, and Hell's Kitchen and all the rest of it back in the 50s. And you could leave your car unlocked with Christmas presents in the back of it. And no one would steal it. No one would touch it. Do you know why? Because wise guys would hang out in the doorways of these businesses that they ran, legitimate businesses that they would run that would provide a service to the community. And they wouldn't tolerate crime at that level, menacing the people, menacing the public, because they supported the public. You could almost call it some kind of a code that they had. But it was bad for business. business. Yeah, it was bad for Exactly. It was bad for business in the community if you committed crime like that. Well, if you committed the crime, if the crimes were committed in the community, then no one would patron their businesses. No one would feel safe going out. No one would be in the streets. No one would be spending any money. So therefore, they wouldn't be making any money. It attracts law enforcement as well. That too. Yeah, it keeps uh, keeps the cops at bay if you uh, if you keep the crime down. So I'm asking, do we have a better society in the streets of America with or without the wise guys? You decide. You decide. So, okay, that's what's happening in uh, in Israel. Now, the saint to Dr. Anthony Fauci was on CNBC and he was asked, he was asked a very important question. How is it possible? How is it possible that the case numbers in Israel are spiking? How is that even possible? That's one of the most vaccinated nations in the world. How is that possible? Well, Good I question. don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have an answer. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist like uh, like Dr. Anthony Fauci here. So this is his response. Do you have any explanation for why the numbers on Israel continue to look worse? They're, they're now at the highest level of cases that they have ever been in any surge for a population that's 80 percent vaccinated and has administered the most booster shots. How do you explain that? And, and what can we learn from that so we don't follow that path as we have been following in this trajectory of the, of the disease? When you have such a fully vaccinated portion of your population, you will get breakthrough infections because of the reason I just mentioned, the vaccines are not 100 percent. You see, Bruce, it's simple. You will have those breakthrough infections because the vaccine is not 100 percent. It's not 100 percent. So you're going to have those infections, those breakthrough infections. I'm surprised he didn't go into like nasal fairings and all the rest of it like he did on uh, on CBS that day. But uh, you're going to get that, uh, that, that, that those breakthrough infections. So uh, you're going to need, I guess, uh, possibly more protection. So not only do you need, which, by the way, this third jab only gives you 12 days of protection, not six months, like they're saying. But this pill that Pfizer's now manufacturing, not that they're seeking approval for it, they're already manufacturing it. That's a two a day pill with a jab. So is that going to give you the 100 percent protection or the, you know, because supposedly, supposedly when they rolled this thing out, it was uh, 94, 95, 97 we were seeing in some cases. And then before you had that. Then we were doing the two, three, and the four masks. You know, that was supposed to give you that. If you did two masks, that would give you 70% uh, efficacy. If you did three, then, you know, it would be uh, uh, 85%. And if you did four, then, well, that would give you 97% uh, efficacy. No, uh-huh. because that's totally how it works. Yeah. 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 I don't know where to go on this one because legitimately, this is gaslighting. Literally, he was saying, you have to get vaccinated. And if we don't have the majority of the population vaccinated, we're going to see breakthrough infections. Um, Israel has the majority of the population vaccinated. One vac- uh, the, the, the one jab, they have like 80% of their population and two jabs, it's like 60 some percent of their population. Um, they have the majority of their population vaccinated and yet they have breakthrough infections. And what is Fauci's stance on it? Uh, well, yeah, 
you, you don't have a vaccine with 100% efficacy. Uh, excuse me? You're literally sitting here telling us here in America that we have to be vaccinated. And if we don't get 80% vaccination rates, then it's only going to cause COVID to get worse, which, by the way, they're saying that um, it's the unvaccinated that's causing the new variants and whatnot. The, the, the thing about it is, is when you let you're lazy, OK, you just imagine yourself as a lazy person. OK, so you're trying to take the shortest route to the finish line. OK, or the easiest route to the finish line. OK, now the procedure you've been using, the process you've been using for X amount of time has worked every time. It's easy. It, it you know, it, it you can you can get it done without a lot of effort. Now, there's one roadblock placed in your way. And you find a new easy method to get around this one roadblock. That's the same idea behind the virus. It's looking for the shortest distance. Like it's kind of like electricity or something, you know, trying to find the shortest distance between A and B. So what you're doing with the vaccines is they're only vaccinating against the S1 spike protein. That's it. That's all it vaccinates against is one part of the virus. So you're putting one roadblock in the way. The virus is learning how to get around that one roadblock. If you had 80% of the population vaccinated, the virus would not simply die off. It would find the roadblock and circumvent the roadblock. It's only one part, which is what the 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 move variant supposedly is. Uh, uh, we were talking to GP and he was saying that the move variant doesn't have the S1 spike protein. So it's 100% uh, effective against the virus. In other words, it bypasses the virus a hundred or the vaccine a hundred percent of the time. The vaccine does nothing against the move variant. So they've created. They've literally created. They've the literally variant. created this one. The move variant. Yes. They they didn't directly engineer it in a laboratory, but they uh, facilitated the evolution, uh, the evolutionary roadmap for the the virus. They facilitated it and pointed it in the direction they want it to go. And that's what the vaccines would do. So when he says that the, the reason that the virus is mutating is because of the unvaccinated, that is untrue. Because if you're unvaccinated, the virus, uh, you, you get the virus, you survive, you get antibodies. Now you're immune to that virus, the whole of the virus. If there's a variant of it that comes along in the future, you have resistance against that and will fight it off. In other words, the virus will burn out more or less unless there's large mutations uh, with it, which takes a very long time. And we've seen it in the past. It takes about 20 to 30 years before there's another one that uh, breaks through. Naturally, without any furthering along by these reckless, insane suicidal policies, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all it's all naturally like you look back at the Spanish flu. The, the next one after that was like the Chinese flu. It, it was like. 30 years later, it was a variant of that, or maybe it may have been actually 50 years later before the next pandemic happened. And each one after that was about 30 to 50 years in that range. Um, there was, uh, even before the Spanish flu, there was the Russian one. And it was, I believe it was also 30 years within that window. And it was 2009 when you're going through that, uh, up till 2009, that's the trend. But right at 2009, we've had more pandemics in since 2009 to today than we've had in the last 100 and about 20 to 130 years. And a couple of things to note about that time. One, first of all, we changed the definition of what a pandemic is in 2009. Very quietly, the World Health Organization did that. Secondly, we've had, I don't want to call it a biological arms race, over the last, uh, say, 10, 11 years. But that's kind of what it's been, hasn't it? And now it's continuing even faster. It's exactly what it is. It, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a biological arms race. I mean, uh, if you look at all the stuff that we've been uh, researching and doing, even, even in the science, like just trying to help people, we've talked about CRISPR tech and how it could potentially be revolutionary. Well, guess what? This is the for dark pennies. side of, of... For pennies, yeah. by the way. You, you yeah. could literally... Well, this did... is the dark side. Yeah, yeah. You could literally do the CRISPR tech like the using that that system. You could literally do that for like what was it? Like 20 bucks in your house? Like 20 25 dollars yeah. or whatever it was? Yeah. If if they were to start mass producing it, you could probably get that down to even lower numbers. Uh assuming you could uh do it safely and whatnot and don't cause any 
because mm-hmm. even CRISPR tech was running into the same problems of myocarditis and uh, other yeah. other problems like strokes, blood clotting, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. They were running into the same issues with CRISPR tech. So it's the same technology that is used to manipulate viruses. I mean, it, it's basically the same concept, more or less. Um, obviously, it's a little different because they're they're doing a virus instead of uh, uh, a, a living organism, uh, but. That, that's basically what viruses are designed to do. Not really designed, but you go know what I mean. The naturally occurring viruses, that's what their job is, is they, they try to embed themselves into your DNA and, and change it so they can replicate. Hmm. Okay. Serious question. Uh, this is an article that broke out of the Daily Mail today, and I'm, I'm, I'm curious about it. Chinese whistleblower, apparently we had a defector uh, that came to the U.S., and uh, he has said that... The COVID outbreak was intentional, and it happened in October of 2019 at the Military World Games in Wuhan. That was two months before we heard about the initial outbreaks. It wasn't until uh, December did we actually start hearing about that. Now, I had heard some some rumors from uh, people like uh, the likes of which of uh, such as uh, Miles Guo. Uh, he talked about how that was, uh, and he's he was a CCP guy. Uh, he was a CCP defector. He was that Miles Guo was like the uh, he was like the Donald Trump of uh, of China. He built hotels and uh, high rise complexes and apartment buildings and and things like that. He was a real estate developer until uh, something actually went bad or something. And then of course the Chinese declared him uh, the Chinese Communist Party declared him an enemy of the state, and he took all of his money and he fled. And so now he's a uh, what he's what they call a fugitive. <laughs> he's a fugitive. But uh, yeah, you can't cross those people. But um, I remember him giving reports saying that they had, he knew of cases, because I mean, when you're that deep into the the CCP, then you know people, you know how it works, you know people in the inner circle that will still talk to you behind the scenes. And his contacts were saying that you had cases going all the way back into September. So I had heard reports that we had cases going all the way back into September, but now this defector uh, comes out and says that this was intentional. They did it on purpose and they released it at uh, the military games in Wuhan when you had all of the, well, a goodly percentage of world nations there uh, to be able to uh, to send it back. So it, the initial the initial thing, the, the official story was Lunar New Year. And then you had Fashion Week in Italy. All of the people that went home for Lunar New Year had the big party in Wuhan. And then the people from Wuhan went back to, uh, uh, where was it, uh, into parts of Italy there for the um, for Fashion Week and uh, in Milan. And that's where you had the outbreak that hit uh, mainland Europe. And then, of course, you had people flying to and from the U.S. Those flights were going nonstop. But that was September, or excuse me, that was December going into January. And then they shut down flights uh, shortly after that. That's the lesser of the two evils, though. I mean, because then then it it covers up and says, well, no, this was an accidental spread. Uh, the the official story was an accidental spread, whereas this guy, the defector, the 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 problem I have with with the the defector's story is he may be telling the truth and he may be right. I don't know. It, it's and honestly, I don't think we'll ever know. the The problem I have with it though is that it seems it seems too convenient, um, if if you will. Because it, it fits in line with, I don't know, it just it just seems too convenient. convenient like I said, it could way? be true. In, in what way? So it furthers, if, if you want your adversary to be fighting themselves, right, fighting amongst themselves, you have one side that's saying this was an engineered virus. You have the other side that's saying, well, we don't have any proof of it. It, it still could have been, um, you know, from a bat, zoological. Now you have a defector, quote unquote. That comes in and says, oh, not only was it uh, engineered, it was intentionally released. It furthers that tension between the two groups and and will spur up more infighting. You, you don't have any proof one way or the other. You just have one guy's word that was used to be a CCP operative. How do we know he's still not a CCP operative and this wasn't a... Yeah, okay, I see your point. Yeah, yeah, like I said, this is the point in time in history when we get into the people that are doing the double, triple, and quadruple crosses and, and all the rest of it. Exactly. So you have somebody here that's potentially a double or triple or whatever, uh, allegiances or whatever. Hell, Klaus Schwab, as far as we know, at the moment, that guy's got four allegiances that we've been able to find. He's got an allegiance to the U.S. Uh, intelligence agency. He's got an allegiance to the... Uh, to the UN intelligence arm. He's got an allegiance to the Swiss uh, intelligence arms, and he also does work for the Rockefeller Foundation. So uh, what what side is that guy on? You just listed 
all the same organization. Well, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, it's it's all pretty much the same. Uh, and then, of course, he has his own thing there, the World Economic Forum or whatever. I mean, it's just, you know, give me a break. Okay, so this whistleblower, of course, he's claimed that this is uh, this was an intentional thing. His name is Wai Jing Sheng. That is really tough to get those right. He says, the international tournament for military athletes was held in Wuhan, the origin of COVID-19 pandemic, two months before China, was, uh, China, China notified the World Health Organization about its first cases. Of course, the World Health Organization said, no evidence of human to human transmission. No evidence of that at all. Everything's fine. Don't worry about it. It's all good. Continue on with your life. That's fine. Mr. Jing Sheng claimed that it was no coincidence that some of the 9,000 international athletes who gathered for the event reportedly became sick with a mysterious illness. You know something? I remember the Chinese Communist Party saying at one point, they didn't run this headline very long, but I remember them saying at one point that the U.S. was responsible, the U.S. military was responsible for planting that in Wuhan. Yeah. I remember them saying- And they went after a family. Yeah. I, I remember them saying that now. I don't know if it's got any correlation to this or not. I'm, I'm just saying. I don't even know if we were there. But they have the official timeline here. Honestly, it doesn't really matter because that's the official timeline. He said that I'm quoting here. He says, I thought the Chinese government would take this opportunity to spread the virus during the military games as many foreigners would show up there. Whistleblower claimed he had heard the Chinese government is carrying out an unusual exercise during the games. He says, I knew of the possibility that the Chinese government was using some strange weapons, including biological weapons. Yeah, it was a biological weapons lab at Wuhan. Because I knew they were doing some experiments of that sort. Yes, again, that's correct. His claims were supported by the former principal China advisor to the U.S. State Department, Miles Yu. He said the French, German, and American athletes were among those to fall ill at the tournament with COVID-like symptoms, but were never tested for the virus. Okay, so that does, apparently that confirms that we were there. So that's uh, that, that's something. He says, we see some indications in our own data that there was some COVID, that there was COVID circulating in the United States as early as December, possibly earlier than that. That's according to uh, ex-U.S. State Department uh, COVID-19 investigator David Asher. Xinjiang uh, also claims that he took his concerns about the unfolding situation to senior figures within the Trump administration in November 19, but he was ignored. No surprise there. The long-term democracy campaigner who served time in prison for counter-revolutionary activities, meaning he probably just stood there and said, you know, I don't like the way the government's doing things, yeah. uh, said, <laughs> said that he made the approach as whispers of a new SARS virus began circulating on WeChat and other Chinese social media platforms, just like Dr. Lee said. Uh, hey, wait a minute. We've got a little bit of a problem here. Uh, there's a SARS-like virus going around, and we probably need to uh, we probably need to take some precautions here. Now, I personally believe if there was some kind of an outbreak that happened there, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. The only thing I know is there's something going around killing a whole bunch of people, killing a whole bunch of old people. I don't know what it is, but there's something going around. The, the whole idea that this, uh, this COVID-19 doesn't exist, I've never said that. I've never said that. Bruce has never said We've never said that. No. I don't know. I don't know what is out there. I mean, I know there's a million things out there that can kill you, but whatever's going on in in these nursing homes uh, and sweeping through these nursing homes, it's something. The flu doesn't kill people that fast. I mean, it kills people. Don't get me wrong, it kills people, but it doesn't kill people that fast. I mean, it can, but it yeah. can. Yeah, if you get a really virulent strain of it, yeah. If you get a really bad strain of the flu, yeah, sure. But we haven't seen a strain like that in a very long time. But anyway, uh, he says they may not believe that a government of, uh, of a country would do something like that, you know, such as cover up a virus. He says, so I kept repeating myself in an effort to persuade them. Of course, you know, all of his uh, warnings and, and uh, everything else fell on deaf ears. You know, it's no surprise. Who did so, he go to? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. But uh, he says that he did some collaboration here with some State Department people, the Trump State Department people. Uh, big difference okay. between that, this State Department. That's that's the problem right there, though. The State Department was against Trump, though. That's the thing. That's true. Depending yeah. on how high up he went on the chain, uh, uh, it, it's very possible that he was ignored just because, I mean, it, when China said that this was released by our military, they're not exactly wrong because this was a biological weapon that was being engineered here in the U.S. first. Yeah. So technically speaking, they're right, but not literally. So you've got now health workers that are. Yeah, let's, let's move on because we, we're running on. We're running short here. We still got some stuff to cover. So you've got health workers in Greece that are now holding a walkout over mandatory vaccines. They're not going to take it. Bruce and I looked at a video today of French doctors and nurses that are burning their diplomas. They're burning their diplomas outside in protest. They left. They left. They're not there. Now you're going to have a problem going into the legitimate cold and flu season of hospital shortages. Now you're going to have a real problem. Australia, you're going to have a big problem down there because, well, 
I, I don't necessarily think it's going to be for the, the people, though, to be honest with you. Uh, if you're turning the police against you, if you're t- like if, if the government, if you're turning the police against against you, well, then, you know, your your days are numbered. But because uh, I to be honest with you, I, I don't see the police when they're forced to now take it. I mean, let's just say that a lot of them are, are saying, OK, well, I'll, I'll just uh, go along with this because I, I won't have to take it. Oh, they're going to make you. They're going to make you. No one gets away from this. Do you understand? No one. No one. So the Greek Union holds a uh, nationwide health wa- uh, health worker walkout. Uh, Greek hospital workers in the Union uh, Poden held a six-hour strike on Tuesday to protest mandatory vaccines for healthcare workers. They're staging walkouts between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. Okay, well, if you're staging walkouts, all right, fine. I, I get what you're doing, but... I don't know. I guess I'm seeing walkouts and I'm seeing people take a stand for something. And usually when you do a walkout like that and you freeze the uh, uh, the system or whatever, because you're demanding, I don't know, like a three percent pay raise or or whatever, you're demanding uh, an extra week's paid vacation or whatever it is. Well, then the unions and the government will then usually if you're in Europe will then usually conform to whatever you're asking for. For example, if the trash men, okay, the trash men, if you're a trash man, I know it's the same in the U.S., but if you're a trash man in Europe, boy, you're respected. You are respected because people want their trash taken away. So if the trash workers, if the garbage workers, if they strike and the garbage doesn't get picked up, people are then going to demand, uh, you better meet their demands. So they get paid really well. They have a a very good, high-paying job. It's very dirty, but it's a very high-paying job. They get very well taken care of. They get compensated. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's usually the solution. Okay, the government and the unions and so on and so forth, they will listen to you. They'll conform to your demands and everybody moves on. Everybody goes back to work and the economy keeps on rolling. Not in this case. They are not listening to you. The union bosses, in fact, are compromised by the political and the financial class. And they're saying, oh, it's what they say in uh, what the police union uh, boss say in um, in Queensland. It's lawful and we must follow it or, or whatever. It's the law and we have to require it or whatever the hell he said. No, no, they don't care. You can stage walkouts. You can stage your protest. You can burn your diplomas and, and your, your, your white coats and all the rest of it. You can do all that. They don't care. They do not care. We're having these protests all across not just Europe now, but the world. The governments are not listening. They don't care. They're continuing to double, triple, and quadruple down. They're not going to stop. When Bruce and I were reviewing a lot of the videos from all these different countries offline the other night, he says, these elites, they're just not going to stop, are they? And I said, no, no, they're not going to quit. There will come a time that we will have to raise our voices just a little bit more before they will listen. And if they don't listen then, well, then we're going to have to raise it again. But at this point, we can go out, we can shut down traffic, we can block the, you know, the, the sidewalks and the cafes, and you can have your picnics in Bern, you can have your picnics in Paris and, and everything else. That's fine, but that's not going to stop them from coming. You know, Bruce, just on a side note, since I, since I brought that up, do you know we were looking at the video the other night of the, uh, the Swiss being hit with water cannons mm-hmm. out in front of the fences? Do you know what that was? Yeah. That building, that wasn't a government so, building. That was a Rothschild residence. Huh. Well, they got the right people. Just saying. After. Just saying. We will have to raise our voices again at some point. So, okay. Now, survey's out. Survey finds that more than half of the U.S. companies are going to impose vaccine mandates. Again, it's not going to stop them. United Airlines today, the employees are being subjected to mandates. The employees have filed a class action lawsuit against United Airlines today against the mandate. It's simple. You want to stop the litigation. You want to stop all of this. If you're the business, stop conforming. Stop conforming. D- don't make your employees conform. Your employees are there to just make a, a make a living wage and try and feed their families. Don't make the employees conform. You conform. You you upper board members and you you elite executives and all the rest of it that are in bed with all these losers down there in Davos. Stop conforming. You're on the wrong side of history. Your company will go down. Amazon, Google, Facebook, Twitter, all the rest of this. We're going to have a serious conversation on the other side of this about all this. But I'm not going to get into companies right now because I saved this little gem for the end. I haven't told Bruce about this yet because I wanted his legitimate reaction to this. one. (laughs) He loves it when I spring this stuff on him. It's got to do with Klaus Schwab, dear old Klaus. He's come up with a... uh, He's come up with a new, well, it's, it's kind of a new startup idea that, uh, and it's really, it's a lot of things you've been warning about over the last, well, three years, actually. <laughs> so I thought I would do you the honor by teeing it up 
and letting you decide which way you want to go with it. Are you ready for the Doconomy? Doconomy. Doconomy. You heard me. Doconomy. Now, before you go searching it, right? Before you go searching it. Doconomy. The World Economic Forum are promoting a carbon credit card that declines transactions if Bruce is already nodding his head with a smile on his face (laughs) that declines transactions if you go over your carbon footprint ration limit have you eaten too much red meat well then guess what you're going to eat mealworms for dinner yeah you're going to eat worms you're going to eat bugs and you're going to be happy about it yeah you remember that yeah there is a new credit card that will track your carbon emissions Now, it doesn't have a limit on it, right? It doesn't have a credit limit on it. You know how credit card companies give you that pesky limit? Oh, you can't go over $1,000 or $2,000 or $5,000 or whatever it is. There's none of that on this one. You have an unlimited amount of money that you can pull. But see, it's it's not just based on the money that you have. It's, It's the carbon footprint of what you spend that money on. That's what it's all about. It tracks your environmental impact of everything you buy, including food. And it cuts you off when you have used up all of your carbon credits. If you reach your transaction limit, well, then that's denied. Yeah, if you reach your your emissions limit, well, that's denied. And you ask, well, how are they going to do that? Well, they're going to tie it to this thing called your smartphone. Now, the card itself doesn't have uh, a magnetic stripe on it because, of course, we we can't do that because, well, you put that on there, then that that harms the planet. So we can't use that. They're using this thing called uh, this stuff called air ink. So it's not an actual plastic uh, per se. It's just this other kind of uh, material that they're now going to put out there because it's kinder to the environment. It's a net zero card, net zero carbon emission card. (laughs) I'm not making this up. So it's the first credit card to ever stop you from overspending based on the level of CO2 emissions generated by your consumption. Now, it's presented in an educational manner. MasterCard has already said, they confirmed, I looked it up on their Twitter yesterday. They have already said they will team up with Doconomy. In a tweet earlier today, we're teaming up with partners Barclays, Barclays Capital. You know, Barclays, the company that should have gone bust in 2008, 2009 with the financial crisis, that Barclays Capital. Yeah, that one. The one that runs the New York Stock Exchange, that Barclays Capital. The UK Bank, Barclays Capital. Yeah, that one that shouldn't be there. That one, yes. They're going to team up with Barclays and MasterCard, and they're going to launch the Climate Fintech Cards and Payment Challenge for fintech startups. Fintech, I guess, is the name of the startup company who want to co-create the future of digital payments with us and help tackle climate change. Now, I have a I have a small promo video here. It's just a couple of minutes, right? It's just a couple of minutes. A uh, small promo video of exactly what this is going to be. And they lay it out exactly of, you know, everything's going to be in there. And uh, let, let's just take a listen to, uh, well, your new carbon neutral future. In 2018, the United Nations released an urgent report emphasizing the need to cut carbon emissions in half by 2030 in order to avoid an irreversible climate crisis. The average consumer in Sweden causes around 10 tons of carbon emissions each year, of which 60% is linked to consumption. Later in 2018, Doconomy, a Swedish fintech, took on the challenge and launched Do, a mobile banking service for everyday climate action. The Do app is connected to a credit card that enables users to track and measure their carbon footprint from each purchase and to compensate for its impact day by day. This spring, Deconomy took its fight against climate change one step further by adding a premium credit card to its offer. But instead of introducing a premium credit card with the typical benefits that encourages further mass consumption, Deconomy did the opposite by launching Do Black, the world's first credit card with a carbon limit. Simply put, it's the first credit card ever to stop you from overspending not based on your available funds, but rather on the levels of CO2 emissions caused by your consumption. Do Black helps you track your climate impact and ensures that you reduce it by 50% in line with the UN 2030 recommendation. The core purpose of Do Black is not only the ability to measure the impact of your consumption, but also bringing it to a direct halt making it a radical tool against climate change. For years, 
Credit cards have put a limit on our credit. Do black puts a limit on our impact. Bruce, are you excited? Are you as excited as I am about this new carbon credit economy? If this were the free market, that card would fail in the most spectacular of fashion. But let's be honest, we don't live in a free free economy anymore, a uh, free market. We live in a centralized economy, a controlled economy. Am I excited about it? Yeah, just as excited as that I am for vaccine passports. Well, and, no, hold on, um, hold, hold on. You know yeah. that's going to be tied to it too. You know. Oh yeah, absolutely. You're 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 missing the the bigger point here. I forgot to mention this this point right here. The economy also emphasizes. They didn't mention it in that ad, but they emphasize on their on their homepage. They emphasize gender and racial equality. With fifty percent of their board being female and a woman of color, as you saw in that ad, serving as their CEO. Mm-hmm. 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 Um. Yeah, uh, like I said, free free market, that business would collapse. It wouldn't even get off the ground. Would not even get off the yeah. ground. They they say yeah. that they say that small businesses, when you have a startup, when you have a, a small business, it's make or break within the first two to five years. That business wouldn't make it twelve months. They would have their their idea, as Bruce said, in a free market economy, a true free market economy. They would present that idea and people would say, Take your crackpot nonsense down the road. We don't have time for this. Consumers don't want that. That that is not something that the consumer base is wanting. What we want as a consumer is something that's more efficient. If you can produce a product that does not affect our lives in the sense of like it doesn't require us to take a step down, that's what that card does. That requires you to go from the middle class stance that you have or, you know, lifestyle you have. And they want you to take it down a peg and go to a lower class and, you know, downsize housing, downsize the clothing you you buy. They, they want you to to downsize everything, including what you eat. And yeah, exactly. I, I don't even believe that, though. That's the problem is because the research, he has a um, uh, footprint for uh, CO2 emissions based on your diet type. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And you notice the vegan, we're looking at a chart here. It, you have a meat lover, which is like, that's the worst you can possibly be. Then you have the average person, then you have no beef, then you have vegetarian, then you have vegan. Which one do you think has the best score? Which one do you think yeah. is going to allow you to operate the most freely in something like that? The vegan mm-hmm. one. The problem I see with that chart right off the bat, first of all, vegetarians don't eat dairy. I want to throw that out there. Um, the, the only main difference between a vegetarian and a vegan is things like um, um hold honey. on a second hold on a second I know I know somebody that's a vegetarian that will eat cheese they're not vegetarian then okay vegetarians are they they're not supposed to eat any animal products basically I thought that was uh, vegan. cheese would be an animal uh no vegetarian is supposed to be the same thing a vegan takes it a step further and they they go like no if it has anything to do with animals or insects or any of that right. so like yeah, no okay. Honey's no, you know, yeah. nothing, nothing like that. They, uh-huh. they, they go that extra step. Um, but the problem I see with it is there's research out there that shows that um, when you take the nutrients value of uh, the meat products and compare the nutrient value, like how much you absorb, uh, how much it offers, all of that, and you compare it to uh, the other food lifestyles, the problems you run into is beef and and uh, meats are uh, pound for pound. They have more to them, right? It has more energy, more more sustenance, more cal- caloric intake. When you compare that to the amount of land it takes up, transportation, processing, all of that, you take in the entire quote unquote carbon footprinting uh, of the from the ground to the table. Meat is actually less carbon emissive. Uh, than the the vegetarian stuff because it takes up more land to do the vegetarian lifestyle because you need more the fruits and vegetables whereas meat you can you can raise it on a smaller you know more dense if you will it's more dense mm-hmm. it, 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 this is nonsense nobody's clamoring for if you want okay we 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 still are relatively free if you as a consumer want to reduce your CO two emissions and you want to. You can go out and do that on your own. You don't need some company forcing you a credit card that restricts how much of your money you can spend. Just throwing that out there. Oh, that's true. That's that's true. But uh, I I thought that I would I thought that I would run this one past you because as soon as I saw that I saw it today and there was a uh, 
how it came to me, there was a uh, there was a picture of dear old Klaus right next to it. Of course, you know that uh, his organization has fully fully endorsed it, uh, you, you know, because they, they care about the environment uh, down there in Davos. He's fully endorsed it. The picture of that card, though, showed it still had a chip in it. Yes, uh, there there is. A, well, you know something? The RFID chips themselves, they're not actually like plastic. They're well, they're plastic, but they're very, very thin. Uh, and you but can you can live silicone kind of, but you can like weave, you know, the metal strips and, and the IDs, you know, the stuff that holds the information. You can actually weave that stuff into it. So that's why they're able to, to put them in just pretty much uh, about anything. But uh, I wanted well, to actually, you know what? Now that I mention it, I wanted to show you something about this. But if you notice something about this, I, I caught this. I had to go back and I had to look at this again. In this video, they show a list of things that mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. will you will get, you know, kind of like the credit card reward things. If you're a card holder, mm -hmm. then you get, you know, this, you get that. You know, some of the interesting things on here, some of these things don't seem like they're very carbon neutral at all, at all, do they? Premium uh, airport this, lounge. Yeah, wasn't this, though, this was the rewards that you get with traditional credit cards, whereas they foregone all of those traditional. Oh, uh, is that what this it is? This is a list of, yeah, this was the list of traditional Oh, uh, okay. Uh, bonuses you got, and they're saying that this doesn't have any of that. This is oh, they all got rid of it. Okay, because I'm looking at some yeah. of this stuff, and I'm like, hold on a minute. Frequent flyer miles and hotel yeah, upgrades and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, build like insurance and uh, fifty percent discount on airfare. That doesn't seem like it's very carbon neutral to me. Mm -mm, mm -mm. No, um, the idea. Like I said, I, I can't even see that getting through an investment investor. It's ridiculous. Meeting. It's ridiculous. It, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. The only reason, and you notice they made the key there on on the UN stuff, the 2030 agenda, and all the rest of that garbage. They're keying on that because if you tout that line, if you're a business and you're looking for government money, you tout that line. If you're hell, you don't even have to be a business. If you're a scientist and you're looking for research money, all you have to do is say. I believe in climate change. It's all real. I, I endorse all of it. The, the whole man may think, yeah, I'm on board with it. They'll throw money at you like there's no tomorrow. Same thing here. If you're a small business and you're looking for start, they probably had this stuff probably was failing on its face. Whatever they were trying to do down there, they were probably it, it probably just failed on its face. And then all of a sudden someone said, hey, why don't you just get on board with this uh, UN Agenda 2030? Do this whole climate neutral, whatever the hell it is that they're doing. And here it is. And they probably got funding that's just uh, like they, they will get catapulted now with all the funding that they're probably getting for this stuff. Yeah, this is just this is just the E in ESG, right? This yeah. is the economic side of it. Yeah. And you, you, you we're seeing the social side of it with COVID. Though right now it's not uh, climate change, but when you go with ESGs, it's oh, not just it was, restricted was that to environmental? environmental. Was that environmental? Well, E is environmental, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the the card that we're talking about here would be fit under the environmental yeah, side of things. Environmental the, and economic the, the, side of things, yeah. It's, it's like bridging yeah, the two. Yeah, yeah. The uh, uh, social side of things, that is uh, just as much about COVID. Like, it's not COVID itself. It's the... You have to socially distance. You have to wear the mask. You have to consciously be aware of society and what society's rulings are. Show your papers. So, vaccine passports. Show your papers. Yeah. Papers, please. And then the G would be governance, um, you know, so government. Well, see, that's OK, because case, they you notice they worked that in there, too. You're governing yourself based on your carbon footprint, mm -hmm. your carbon credits. Yeah. You're yeah. governing yourself. The government's not telling you. They're just saying, OK, this is your limit. This is what you have to be at. If you go over this, then you're not going to get these things. So you govern yourself. We're not telling you what to do. You're making that decision on your own. They're literally flipping yeah, it back on itself. They're, they're the authoritarians we're, 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 without saying that they're the authoritarians. They're saying, well, uh, no, we're, <laughs> we're doing it to save the earth. You're doing it to do your part to save the earth. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you're doing it yourself while we're holding a gun to your head and telling you this is not a gun at your head. Uh huh. That's, that's all it. it is. That's exactly what it is. I thought you'd like that. I, I don't normally like to spring stuff on you on surprise like that, but that literally brings together everything you've been talking about for the last three years as it relates to like ESGs yeah. and social credit and, and all the carbon credits and everything else. That's it. That is it. Yeah. Yeah. We're going, we're going face first into this stuff and nobody seems to want to hit the brakes. Nobody's like, shouldn't we take a step back here a second and look at all the freedoms we're losing and instead, well, I should take that back. We have half the population that's saying maybe we should take a step back and, you know, uh, slow down just a smidge. And then you have the other the other side just face first into this stuff. And, and it, they're they're wondering why um, 
the other side isn't on board with them. And in fact, not just wondering, but they're saying that you're committing genocide if you don't jump on board with them. While they're committing genocide by jumping yeah. on board with it. <laughs> you couldn't make yeah. it up. Okay. Unfortunately, can you believe we're out of time? Uh, honestly, I, I don't even know. I don't even know where in, where in the world that hour went. I wanted to talk about so much more stuff today. So uh, unfortunately, we are going to have to go. For those of you who have not signed up to our Telegram page, get over there and get signed up to us. We do put out all of our podcasts we do here every day. We also put out an exclusive podcast once a week just for our Telegram subscribers, which you get early, but the normal subscribers get it on all the other platforms the following Monday. So get signed up to us over there. Also, we have a news feed and a comment section as well. Drop a comment in. We would love to hear from you. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so anytime by dropping us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. And we would ask you to pass this along to friends, family, known associates. We are trying to grow, but we do need your help in order to do that. So if you could pass this along, we'd appreciate that. We're available everywhere you get your podcast. Also, if you're rating podcasts, if you give us a rating when you get a chance, we'd appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. All right, that's it for today. Thanks for being here today, Bruce. Thank you to all the listeners. Everyone have a great evening.